Yeah, I'll try. It's... I just have such a punchable face. Hey, what's up? Oh god! <laughs> Jonathan, hey, what's up, fun. guys? Actually, can we turn him up a little bit? Yeah, just uh, a little bit higher. <laughs> uh, I can't really yeah, hear him that well. That's true. Okay. I can barely, I can barely hear you, Jonathan. That's oh, really? so weird. I think you should, you should definitely just get that mic all up in your mouth. It's pretty close to just, my mouth. I can get it really close. <laughs> Do you have a double XLR input? What? Or at least just multiple microphones that you can just put all around your head. Yeah. I figure, like, put the microphones up really close to each other, like, facing to each other. I think that would pick up sound good. <laughs> yeah. That would be really good. I mean, that's why that, that's, that they, they, they were made with that in mind. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you need at least, like, eight microphones for a really solid voiceover recording. Yeah, that's true, actually. That's um, written in a book <laughs> somewhere. I, yeah. I read it. Ideally, at like one foot intervals from each other, like away from you, so that they have different radii, so that you can get that really nice phasing sound whenever mm -hmm. you mix them all together. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. And when you're recording, you you got to put several clips together. That's why it's called clipping. It's it's really just a professional way of doing things. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. the The whole point is not to like be really good at what you're doing or like be able to record something in one take. It's actually like the the real professionals. Uh, just speak each syllable into a separate microphone, and that's that's how you get those quality recordings. You're pretty convincing <laughs> right now, actually. <laughs> they have to be very quick on their toes. Yeah, it's not easy. Literally, it's a lot of neck sprains. Yeah, that's the whole uh, the whole break a leg thing. Actually, comes from from audio recording, not from stage performance. It's uh, a reference to. Have really good vocal performers had to literally break their legs in order to like make the time between the the microphones. They'd be tripping over cables all the time. Uh, so it was really common to be in a cast. Yeah. That, that was actually one of the ways you identified, you know, like high paid performers in the past. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And and the, how many bones they've broken? Exactly. Yeah. It was the cast yeah, system. True. Yeah. Or you just look at their legs, like, oh, voice actor. <laughs> well, I mean, you say that, but uh, but that's like after the advent of microphones and you know the uh, uh, the digital age. I'm pretty sure that even dating as far as uh, as far back as performances at the Globe Theater, you know, because that was um, designed in such a way that acoustics were very important um, in how actors' voices would uh, would resonate throughout the theater and thus to the crowd. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that all of the uh, all the actors, all the male actors, had to. Uh, uh, had to run around the stage while performing either dialogue to each other or asides. Yeah, of course. Um, asides are extremely yeah. important. So, well, it's also like the just, you know, usually a director is like, you want to see movement. You want to see lots of movement. Just keep running from side to side. It's going to keep the show entertaining. People, are, people aren't going to get yeah, bored. Yeah. You know? It's called good blocking. We've learned yeah. this. <laughs> like we, we teach that like in our about like composing a frame, like the composition of the frame. And the same thing goes for theater. Like, get, where are you in the stage? You know, if your eyes moving around, that means you got an interesting shot. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you yeah. you want to be mobile. You want to be uh, adjustable. Yeah, you want you want to be really versatile on the stage. Excellent. <clears throat> hey everyone, Joe here. You're listening to the first episode of Like for Like, a podcast where Jonathan and I hey there talk to some interesting people about what it means to be a creator in the world of social media. 
Today, we have Alex Alston with us. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me. <laughs> We're going to go over what you can expect from this podcast in the future. And uh, well, we don't have much of a plan for this one beyond that. Alex, thanks for being on the first, well, kind of the first Friendcast. Yeah, absolutely the first. There's no way we have done this uh, in the slightest before. No. And uh, it is a pleasure. It yeah, a pleasure I don't know why I said kind of the first, because this is definitely the first time we've ever talked to each other via I, a recorded medium. I don't Correct. think I've ever met you guys before. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought yeah. Joe knew you, and that's why like, Joe's like, hey, I want to bring Alex. I'm like, oh, okay. But I thought that's you nice. invited this guy. It's like, isn't that your brother? He's like, no, the other Alex. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> No, we met because I was sending inappropriate pictures via Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, if anybody wants to follow me and send me dick pics, that's uh, at speakwithanimals. I'm just kidding. Please don't do that. No, he's not. It's like, where, where do you want to eat? It's like, I, I'm mostly kidding. I, I don't want pizza like you want pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so how is media creation going for you guys? That's a good question. Oh, uh, that makes it sound so like businessy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we're pushing thirty. So true. And <laughs> it would be nice to make it into a business to do what you like. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, Jonathan, what were you going to say about media creation? Oh. Um. Oh, what was I going to say about it? Uh, yeah. It sounded like you had something to say, and then I rudely cut you off for the sake of uh, just saying something dumb. <laughs> well, this is the first time talking about it, recording. We never talked about this before, but Joe, but uh, Joe and I are working on a game project, and there's a lot of learning that needs to be done. Uh, <laughs> and yes. I had a little setback today because I was enrolled in a class to learn basically coding and uh, working with engines, and then that class got canceled. Uh, didn't work with the instructor's uh, schedule anymore for some reason, which I think is just code for there wasn't enough students paying for this class, so they just gutted it. Yeah. So That's that, very sad. That was a, a sad setback, but I'm I'm still excited to learn. Setbacks happen. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Roll with the punches. Yep. I am actually kind of excited about that uh, uh, about that game project that all you guys have uh, have going on. Uh, sounds like a really great concept so far. I'm excited too. Yeah. There's like you said, all of you guys just then. It's weird to me. Like, sorry, you. I've been in. Can I say three? Or should well, I? Well, I mean, I not there's put like a number on it? five five of us. Yeah. Technically, I mean, yeah, but it's it's strange. Like I've been in bands before and stuff like that, and so I'm familiar with like the concept of working with people in like a creative endeavor. Uh huh. But I've only ever done that with regard to music before. For some reason, like having a team that isn't like at each other's band. Throats. <laughs> well, no, no, I don't, I don't mean to go that direction. No, I just mean, uh, I mean, to have like a group of guys who's who are working together on something that that isn't music. For some reason, that feels different to me and like professional and real in a way that no previous project I've worked on has. I don't huh. know if that makes any sense, but it's weird, like working with like the game, the game dev team or like yeah the the art director or something like that like even though it's really just like a a couple dudes who are like having fun creating a thing together that we probably would create independently anyways yeah but you're uh, just referring to them by their real title you know that yeah. is what it is yeah it's really cool and and real mm -hmm. i think probably the main reason why you might feel like that is because of how you know these other people like the context that you know them it's not um 
it's not you talking to your old buddy about you know uh, coming over and recording some music nudge nudge or something like that. <laughs> yeah, this is very it's, true. It's, yeah, it, that is it's different. someone that you've met with the expressed purpose of creating something. So the professionalism is at the forefront. When yeah. I, uh, uh, last time, last couple of hmm. films, the short films that I've made, um, it felt like being in a band because all of the people that I knew, even though they were actors, makeup artists, script supervisors, uh, I had known them first on just being social with them on just being friends with them um yeah so it felt exactly like just being in a band with someone um despite the fact that both being in a band going to rehearsals going to shows going to the recording studio that all needs to be very professional just like going to going to make a movie you, you know be on time blah 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 memorize yeah, exactly. your lines stuff like that uh it's it's necessary to be professional there too but it doesn't feel the same way as you probably feel knowing those other individuals that are involved with the with your project now yeah it's sort of a sort of a different premise kind of switch like the modes in your head like okay this is serious now <laughs> so the the sort of point of this show for anybody listening is uh talking to artists makers and, and creatives like Alex hey. uh, about their projects and well usually we'll be talking about uh, social media how people use Instagram and YouTube and Reddit and Twitter and all those internet places to promote their work and uh, yeah. how people use online shops and things like that uh, or subscription systems like Patreon to monetize what they do not even how people make a living but you know just how people interface with their art and with their followers through social media. So uh, if you are interested in having a chat with us, there's a contact page at lflpodcast.com. You can go there and that'll take you to the uh, Plantastic Fanet website. It's just a page that says contact and you fill out that information and uh, it gets you in touch with me. And then I can talk to you about doing this whole thing this podcast thing, which is mostly this, us rambling into the microphone like this. That'll be fun. Talking about, uh, talking about cool things. Oh, yeah. And, and talking and talking about cool, cool things. Very, very cool things. Uh, cool things like, Jonathan, how is... That was a... Well, now I've pointed it out. That would have been a flawless segue had I not pointed it out. Uh, Jonathan, how's wow, your... this is going to uh, be a really good segue. Listen to this. <laughs> so you're working on... Uh, on some smithing. Oh, yes. I am working on, I guess you could call it cold casting or, yeah, cold smithing. Oh, okay. Cold forging. Uh, just, <laughs> I'm making uh, bracelets and stuff, making jewelry, but a lot of the, I, I don't have the website up just yet, but I will have it at some point. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, if it's out by the time this episode goes up, we can we can yeah. put it in the um, show notes. I can even say right now, wherever this website comes up, you can check it out. The Sales on it, of course, help me to buy more material as well as I enjoy making bracelets. It's really fun. I hope you like the work I make. But it's also <laughs> used to help support the game we're working on, which is a really weird way of starting a game studio, but I'm trying to do what I can. It's like a side side hustle. Yeah, I, I heard that uh, I found out Samsung started up as a grocery store. And I was like, well, okay, I guess I'll make a jewelry store. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing um, wrong with that. But you can yeah. uh, find my work That's at... Great www.warnsabi.com. 
Oh, that's a good name. I haven't even heard that oh, name haven't? before. How have I not oh, heard yeah, that? That's the name. Um, there's meaning behind it. So Warren it's nice. Sabi. <laughs> yeah, like like Wabi Sabi, yeah, but also it's exactly. Warren. It's Warren, and also yeah, it's, that's you good. wear it as in Warren. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, multiple. You got the double entendre exactly. there. That's good. That's a tasty you, name. You can also see some of my uh, old portfolio work that isn't updated because my new stuff is all kind of secret right now. But uh, you can look me up at <laughs> jsdockle.com. And that's J J S T O C K A L dot com. Nice. That's that's called a plug. Yeah. I <laughs> many more of those to come. <laughs> I, I remember to actually like have something this time. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, Alex, do do you have a place where people can uh, can contact you about stuff? Or I'm at uh, uh, Instagram at artsy twat, and I'm on Twitter as fucking shags. <laughs> I, I send and release Pretty, a bunch uh, of silly things. I think I'm going to release that um, that thing that I just sent to Joe on Instagram here pretty soon with the hashtag like LFL podcast, if that's okay. Yeah, that's 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 good. Hashtag, hashtag yeah, hashtag LFL podcast is probably the way to okay. go. We can iron that out. Because hashtag like, like for like will get you like everything else that is like for like, which is sort of like what this show is named after. Yeah. Almost but too we don't want to be drowned out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We don't want to be drowned out in the stream of guys taking pictures of their abs or like girls taking extremely filtered Instagram photos. Hey man, speak for yourself, all right? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I may want to be physically drowned in those things, but, uh, but <laughs> very similar to that not, classic scene in Monty Python's Meaning of Life. <laughs> oh yes, yes, down, exactly. Face down by the naked ladies. Oh, I was thinking of the uh, that is of the scene where like they're. They're trying to give like sex ed to the class, and John Cleese is like actually showing them how to do it. Yeah, by actually doing it. That's yeah, so good. And he's like, pay attention. Like, no one's like paying attention to him at all. <laughs> I love it. I think I, oh, I think that scene that I'm referencing is like shortly after that scene that you're referencing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because the guy gets to gets to the whole point is that he gets to choose his right. death, and he he chooses death by uh, death by boob squad. <laughs> Yep, gets chased right off a cliff. God, that is such a good movie, I, man. I need to go rewatch some Monty Python films that's now. That's actually my favorite Python film. I, it's actually a tie between that and Life of Brian for oh, me. Oh, you have to see Life of Brian. I try to watch it every Easter. It's awesome. <laughs> yes, exactly. So both of you guys um, are uh, visual artists. Is there? Yes. Uh, in very different ways, I think, but. Um, What's new on that front? Like outside of the uh, uh, of the progress on on this game project, um, mm -hmm. what is new there? Jonathan, do you have any other projects? Joe, how's the e-zine? Uh, yeah, Jonathan, you wanna yeah. you wanna? Uh, sure. I mean, do you have any? I didn't know if yeah. I. Yeah, there's. I guess just talking about maybe the <laughs> the process, the process, because right now the my process. main focus Trust. is on the current game we're working on. Uh, of course, yeah. usually for. What I do for the visual side is prior to starting a project, I usually do a lot of research even while I'm doing the project. Uh, so yeah. for me, it's grabbing references for different art styles because for me, it's more fun to create a new art style than it is to use one I already have. Because that's kind of a problem I've had when people would ask me, like, what's your art style? I was like, I don't know, just whatever you want it to be. <laughs> just be That's versatile. a question I see all the time. Yeah. And it, it seems sort of like a misplaced question. Like, like maybe yeah. when you ask that question, you're misunderstanding sort of the point. Yeah. I mean, if there is, if there is a point to visual art, like it's cool having your own style, like to, 
for somebody to be able to see an image and be like, oh, that was clearly drawn by this yeah. guy because it looks like this. But at the same time, it's so much more useful to be able to adapt to whatever you're working on. And it, what's really weird is when you're talking, if you ever in a situation where you're being interviewed with studios or talking with studio reps, they <laughs> make it very clear to you that if you're in character design, if you're in visual development, um, they want to hear your voice, like your artistic voice or your work. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they want to know that you can do what everyone else is doing on the project they're working on. Yeah. So it, I think what's important <laughs> from what I understand it. Yeah, it's funny. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's... Is that I think it's more important that you pick people from different backgrounds because they have a different insight on things. Because usually, and this isn't to generalize things, I've seen some of the better animators are usually female than men. Because um, mm -hmm. a lot of the men will try to do more like action-based and like kind of, aggressive shots uh in animation scenes and then a lot of the a lot of female anim animators that i've seen again not generalizing but they're more they're picking up on subtle details like the way a kid puts a shoe on or the way like you drink out of your cup like it's that's more uh, character building than just being like action guy like don't don't go for yeah, that yeah find what find what human is like what it is to be a human in, in your movement um but for me uh i'm a character designer Mm -hmm. uh, even though I do have some understanding and I'm actually trying to get back into animation. Uh, I did the little test series when I was younger, but nothing much for character design. Uh, a lot of it is finding that character, um, which this sounds really funny to say. It's really about figuring out who the person is or even the creature or whatever it is that you're trying to make a character out of is yeah. finding out how to show who that person is and what they represent by a drawing or a pose and of course if you look at pixar the way they do it it's like it's really subtle but like there's such really cool details um that you don't always pick up on you can't always just go for i want to do a battle hardened guy with a scar and like grizzled like hair maybe he has like maybe a burn spot on his eyeball like yeah that'd be cool yeah the but, stereotype uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah but it's more interesting when for me at least when you look at people like at a grocery store and you think, okay, that person's like walking around, like in there with their holding their basket, and they have like an iris in their shopping cart. They just picked up an iris flower, and they were, had this empty basket, and they're still shopping for groceries. But it's just, it's all about who the person is and what the story is behind that moment, because that's that's really cool to see. And I think um, that is cool. Like, so like, it's like yeah. people watching is almost part of your research. It absolutely is. Uh, they're. Definitely. It's kind of totally not a creepy it's thing. It's hard here. <laughs> I'm just not trying to blow it off, but it, it, it can be a little bit hard here just because there are so many old people in our community. And it's kind of a crutch yeah. for character designers that we love drawing old people because they live their life and they have so much character written on their face. It's so easy to like gravitate to some like physical appearance of them and yeah, exaggerate on who that. they really are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. And then focus on yeah, and exaggerate it, certain things. That, that should be like when it's younger people, if you're in the city and you see more people our age, it does get to be a little bit harder. I don't know if I rambled on there. I probably did, but story, <laughs> no, story and totally character okay. is super cool. And I love it. Um, I love it when we do D and D and I get to start a new character. Cause I hate playing the same character <laughs> as Joe knows. Yeah. I'm interested to see how long your current character lasts or because he, I, I genuinely love this character. I do too. <laughs> it could also be the voice you're doing for him, which I mean, we, we might save that for a future episode just to make the people wait sure. for it. But it's such a, it's such a good voice. Well, thank you. 
I, I just love it. And and also like the concept of a literal cat thief is is nice. Like the tabaxi rogue. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that you were, were going there with your creation of the character. No. But I thought it was a funny side effect of that race class combo. No, it was just, I wanted to pick a race I'd never chosen before. And I've never done like an animal type. Like, let's go with that. Something totally different. I'm really loving it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, on the subject of D&D, uh, my sort of realm of visual art, uh, at least lately, has been making maps. Like, Alex, you mentioned earlier the webzine. Yes. I'm still not... I, I mean, I have I have a problem settling on, on what to call things. This one is, is being tentatively called uh, the Caves and Caverns Collection. And I've basically just been drawing um, random lines on paper and then connecting those lines. And it sort of looks like caves and caverns. And then I fill in the grid. And uh, I did that a couple times just as sort of like a de-stressing exercise and realized that I sort of liked how random they turned out as like dungeon maps. And uh, some people mentioned they might be interested in purchasing maps like that one day. And so I was like, you know what? I should probably put together a collection of these. And then I decided to give myself the high bar of drawing a hundred of them. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So I'm on like, I'm on like number six (laughs) right now, but yeah, I'll be opening up my Patreon pretty soon. I'm not 100% sure of the URL yet. I think it's patreon.com slash speakwithanimals. If you go to my Instagram at speakwithanimals, you can find it there. The link will be there by the time this podcast episode goes up. Sweet. Yeah, so that Patreon is going to be basically to fund the creation of those maps. And then another project I've been working on, um, more for fun than for the purpose of selling. It's, It's been hashtag mega dungeon every time I type it, basically. It's a, it's just a series of larger dungeons that all connect to each other and that I plan on being never-ending, so it should be interesting. But those those are isometric maps, which is uh, just a, a fun... If you've ever drawn an isometric, then you know how fun and challenging it is. Yeah, yeah it's great to just explore space that way. Uh, so that that's almost less for making playable D&D maps and more just because I like how things look in isometry. Yeah. So <laughs> I like drawing them. But yeah, th- those are sort of my two uh, visual projects that I'm working on. It's kind of interesting how you bring up the uh, uh, the challenge of drawing, you know, uh, um, isometrically. I guess it's almost like the difference uh, between what Jonathan was talking about, the difference between drawing uh, an action shot and a really subtle way you pick up a cup and a character trait. Um, instead of like this really moody, bleak atmosphere of like the dark cave in front of you and like the... Uh, the stalactites coming down, or I don't know, whatever. It's 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 top down. It is it is a blueprint of what is there. Yeah. A little while ago, I uh, uh, was writing in this um, pipe dream feature length uh, uh, screenplay idea that I have. It's batshit weird, but I got all right. There's uh, a, it's all action and no dialogue throughout the entire concept of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so so <laughs> nice. for the screenplay, it's all screen direction. Mm-hmm. And and since there's no dialogue, that means the visuals have to be that much more important and impactful. Um, so certain yeah. things I can explain and, and, and write about very easily, but then I notice that I have to write in depth about um, the um, architecture of certain buildings, and that's when my writing was kind of like falling apart in a way. And that's where, yeah. that's where <laughs> yeah. it became challenging, is... Um, is is writing from a practical standpoint so that people can people can really see it. Yeah, because if you're if you're showing not telling, then the environment becomes a character in your film, 
so it sort of has its own dialogue through its imagery. Yeah. And in a screenplay format, it's almost more important that that people see exactly what you're seeing in your head. Whereas with a novel, you could explain it in, in more of an artistic fashion. That way, what you see in your head is different from what the reader sees in their head, from what fi- or, or other readers see in all their heads. But yeah, with the exactly. screenplay, you're showing it to people that are building it. <laughs> yeah, in a novel, you're not worried about the composition of a shot. You're, you're more worried about set dressing right. and sort of uh, conveying the emotion of a scene. Whereas, yeah, in this case, uh, every detail of the set down to the way the camera is looking at it is yeah, important. It's, it, I mean, it's both. <laughs> but, but yeah, talking about that, you know, that, uh, that blueprint that you're doing the, uh, uh, with, the, <laughs> with the isometric things, yeah, that's uh, kind of interesting. Also, Joe, I'm sending you a, t- a text of a thing that I drew a while ago. Dun, dun, dun. There you okay. go. Uh, Alex, I very much like this, this thing that you've sent yeah, me. Yeah, you're welcome. That's, <laughs> that's very good. It appears to be... Uh, a woman wearing a suit jacket. I can't tell if she's inside of a radio or if she is kneeling. Oh, no, she's definitely squatting, mm-hmm. uh, either cross-legged or missing her legs in a radio yes, flyer. Thank you. And uh, she appears to have... Uh, there's some exposed cleavage in the opening of the suit jacket. And she has tiny angular arms with uh, fingers that appear to be... Uh, similar in shape to Halloween corn candy. Yes. And then her her face is um, sucking something out of a silly straw. I mm-hmm. believe that's rum. Yes, it is. That's rum out of a silly straw. Joe, you get me. You get me. <laughs> that's right. Uh, she also has a mohawk, but also sideburns. Like, she she went for the undercut, and then she was like, no, you know what? I'm going to do the opposite. And then she actually shaved the top part that would normally be longer and then she got to the middle and was like no i'm gonna leave this so she has like buzzed sides and then bald and then a mohawk but she hasn't had her hair done in a while so it's kind of prickly up top that is correct and then there's a there's a person with a cat head in the corner (laughs) (laughs) or a bunny head that's a bunny head there you go there you go i knew you would get me so this this has been (laughs) this has been alex's sketch corner uh i hope you enjoyed this this episode of Alex's I would, sketch I would love more episodes of this, actually. But actually, uh, Alex, uh, <laughs> question for you about filmmaking, because uh-huh. I haven't had a chance to ever talk about filmmaking with someone. All right, um, excellent. I won't answer it. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Well, fuck. Um, episode done. I think, because this, this is a common, common issue for all artists across all mediums, when is it for a shot, or just a scene, when is it good enough to just leave well enough alone when do you think like when you say i don't need to reshoot this but you know that deep down or like you really want to nitpick things like how do you Ugh. resist that urge because with filmmaking you not just, well with uh, all what joe art, said you get to make sure <laughs> <laughs> i was just i was remotely feeling your stress yeah. responding like trying to come up with a response to just, that <laughs> just, um, just drink heavily oh god <laughs> well i think there are probably a couple different ways to answer that actually uh i haven't done a short film in a while unfortunately um but the last two that i made were groceries and nails and i think that uh, uh those two provide two different answers because firstly when you're on set when everyone is there it's either 
well, it well, it could just be you by yourself if you're if you're super indie and doing a minimalist shot. I've done that before. I've also done you know a, a super long takes where ten or more people are involved. So the first answer is when you have everyone on set. When are you done shooting? When is that a wrap for the day? So with that last short that I did was groceries. It was a um, home invasion thriller, also done without dialogue, majority of it, done in a single take, and it's about a guy that is bringing in groceries he from his car he doesn't notice someone sneaking into his house as his back is turned to the open door because he's bringing in bag after bag because of this the uh, uh, the single take is constantly moving outside to inside um, when it's outside you know it was it was shot at dusk so we only had so long of sunlight there so that was a wrap when we finally had the right shot and we were satisfied with it and we just because of the day were not able to do another take yeah and then there's also the answer of when you're editing or when your editor is editing and when you're done with a, uh, uh, you know, when you're seeing the final output or what could be the final output and you have to think, all right, should this be, should this be, should this one shot be shorter or longer in this one scene? What can we add to the scene based on all of the footage that we have? Should this shot be shorter? Is, uh, uh, is any of the footage corrupted in any way that happens with digital media a lot? Uh. Um, can we save this with B roll? Should we reshoot some B-roll? Should we reshoot this entire scene? And with Nails, that took me an incredibly long... It was a 20-minute short film, but uh, uh, most of it was shot in very short takes. So there were days when we would spend an entire day shooting one scene, and it would wind up taking up like eight seconds of screen time. Yeah. And it, and it took a very long time, and I was also shooting it with a camera that I was very new to and ultimately unfamiliar with. Uh, so I would get, you know... I would, put my editing hat on and, you know, get into the guts of what we shot and realize that footage was corrupted, footage was crappy, footage uh, just generally had to be redone. So about eight months into production, we reshot about half of what we had done just so that it would look decent. Wow. And, I think that, and I think a lot of the film still looks kind of amateurish, but, eh, you know, I was in my early 20s. Eh, whatever. I'm still yeah. proud of it. That's um, good, man. Yeah, you were, you were learning as you were yeah, going. Yeah, so whether or not you're done, it's could be when you're when you're there shoot way more than you need period you know end the day when you're exhausted when you're editing make it as good as you possibly can if you have to reshoot then reshoot or do what you can that being said ultimately there's kind of a wall how long do you really want this to be in production how long do you really want this to be hidden as you are in production post-production uh, are you wanting this to um, go viral are you wanting to uh, sell this. I mean, that's something that more, uh, you know, that larger studios and feature films would probably take, take into account would be marketing because marketing would start during post-production, during production, during pre-production, depending on how big the film is. But that's also important, um, to, uh, mm -hmm. uh filmmakers of that caliber. Yeah. You know, how good can we possibly make this? And when do we have to say, okay, this has to go out now? Uh, that takes a lot of, you know, pre planning. Also in that respect, it sort of depends on your relationship as a director slash producer to the investment of the film being made in the first place. Because if it's a production company behind you, you might not necessarily have as much of a say in when a shot is good enough. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good point, because if you want a shot to look, if a production company is behind you, then maybe they're financing it in a certain way. Maybe they're executive producers there. Yeah. And in that regard, they're giving you money because they're typically buying rights to the film. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's that. That's, yeah, that's, uh, uh, Joe, that's a really good point from a commercial standpoint. 
And I guess I would end that question talking about a, um, or that answer talking about just the creation of a piece of art, well, from an artistic standpoint. This <laughs> is me and my soul and what I created when I was this year of age. For a piece of music, for a drawing, for a piece of literature, it doesn't take as long as a feature film, I would argue, because there are so many... That there, definitely can it, be the it, case. It can yeah. be the case. It, it depends. There are exceptions, but it can certainly be the case because there are so many different things that, that are involved in it. There's writing, shooting, editing, music, blah, 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 blah. It's all of those things at once. So... I mean, there's a reason you call film multimedia. Yes. So do you want to finish that, that artwork when it's like you at that stage of your life or when it's you at a different stage of your life when finishing that artwork, it may not be as genuine. It may not be coming from that same place. Yeah. Um, the art is kind of done yeah. when your thought is finished. When you're done thinking about it, the art is done. That's a good point, yeah. And, uh, and, yeah, that makes a lot and, of sense. And everything. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm stealing that from eight and a half, but... It's kind of the, the line that uh, art's never <laughs> finished. It's just only, like, abandoned. <laughs> Damn. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. True, though. Yeah. Well, thank you for that answer, Alex. Thank hey, you. yeah, of course. <clears throat> and thank you for the question, Jonathan. Oh, no problem. <laughs> I guess this is, this is where we would normally have, like, commercials and stuff. If you sign up for my Patreon that I will soon be opening, it, it will probably be open by the time this episode airs. Uh, I'll be shouting out uh, patrons, I think, during the commercial breaks on this podcast. And I, I welcome you guys to do the same if you, if you have any other similar situations where people you want to shout out at some point during the podcast. I think uh, it'd be nice to have a little section where we, where we do that, where we uh, just recognize people who are awesome, maybe, or who contribute sure, yeah. to us in some way. So obviously, I don't have anybody to shout out right now. But uh, yeah, if, if you want to okay. be one of those people, there's my, my Patreon at uh, a place that will be linked to in the show notes. The show notes you can find at uh, lflpodcast.com. Also, since this is a, I guess, an ad spot potentially at some point. Basically, yeah. Do you have yeah. a wrist? Does your wrist feel lonely? Does your friend have a wrist? Does your friend's wrist feel lonely? Replace that loneliness with a bracelet at onesabi.com. <laughs> I thought you were going to go somewhere really dirty for a second. <laughs> Alex, do you have anything you want to you wanna shout out real quick? Uh, yeah, fucking shags and uh, artsy twat. Follow me. Yeah, those are not just I, random phrases that you're saying. Those are your your usernames. <laughs> yeah, I should I should really choose what. Well, actually, I guess the um the fucking shags is I I don't really use Twitter for anything professional. Yeah, only so go there if you want to see twat, him. The professional. Artsy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. twat sounds so much more professional, right? Like yeah, it's great. We don't have to, but uh, if we want to, we could plagiarism now. Do you want to? Who's who, who's gonna pull up a screenplay? I'm not gonna, I'm I, not gonna uh, do that. I but if someone one. sends me a link, I'll uh, uh... Jonathan did prepare yep. one. Oh gosh. Today's script, let me find out the author's name. I found it on <laughs> today's plagiarism. <laughs> I'm do it. I'm super into it. <laughs> today's play is an excerpt from Romantic Fools written by Rich Orloff. So we will be doing some of Vegetarians in Lust. <laughs> I'm going to read the stage directions. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm still waiting because uh, Acrobat is slow. Okay. But you can read the stage directions. But, uh... <laughs> also, the last page sent sideways. And for some reason, that's very amusing to me right now. Okay. <laughs> I don't, it just, I wasn't expecting it. It was good. I, I promise I haven't had any alcohol this entire episode. Hey, neither have I. <laughs> oh, yeah. Once you read the script, uh, Alex, yeah, I job. promise you, 
it is not well not to discredit rich orloff but i mean it's yeah, pretty it's, bad. It sucks. <laughs> it's awful. It's it's horrible. Not to discredit this writer, but he's bad. <laughs> I'm not saying the I'm not saying the writer was necessarily bad. I'm saying the writing is bad. It might have been, you oh. know, like we were talking about earlier, the production company. <laughs> it was short well, on time. This was a free <laughs> he was like, I really got to crank this one out. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, just to put it this way, this is... I left the last two pages out because I don't think we can really put them on the show. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it is called Vegetarians yeah. and Lust. Do we want to just, we can make up what yeah, happens we'll, afterwards. Yeah, we'll just ad-lib that. All right. I left it at a okay. pretty uh, like, well, weird ending where we cut off, so I was like, this is good. Okay, cool. I let, <laughs> it I, is a, I cut it off where it, it is a strange funny. place to end. <laughs> <laughs> this is very true. Uh, so we plagiarism yeah, right, now? Uh, now? See, what do you want right. to play out? I, I have all three pages open. If Acrobat decides to freeze on me, then we'll just start ad-libbing. Joe, you said you would do scree or stage direction? Um, yes. Well, there are two... I, I can do scree and stage direction. Just... Uh, uh, say, say that at the end of every page. <laughs> okay. That's fine. <laughs> I'm not going to do okay, that, but cool. okay. Just because it would be offensive to our listeners, I'm trying to protect your, your precious little eardrums. I'm going to be the man. Okay. okay, I was actually kind of hoping you would. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> gotcha. Vegetarians in lust. The man and woman enter and address us. Fortunately, my relationship with Andrew hasn't been like that. We only included that as a warning on the dangers of arm wrestling with someone you love. My first couple of months with Andrew were wonderful. Ah, Lori and I had good times, revealing conversations, compatible neuroses. It was blissful. It was everything anyone could want. The man exits. Well, almost everything. There was one area where we had a problem. Have you ever noticed that as much as men obsess about sex, they really get anxious anytime you bring it up? Now I see every woman nodding. And there's one aspect of sex men are particularly loath to discuss. I won't get into details, but it does involve um, bringing it up. Andrew and I had such a problem with it, took all my imagination to deal with. A living room. In the center of the room is a couch, facing away from the audience. Another great meal, Laurie. Thanks, Andrew. Mmm, you make the best lentil lasagna of anyone I know. And thank you for making dessert. That was the most delicious mm. asparagus cake I've ever tasted. <laughs> it, it was okay. I liked it even better than your broccoli mousse pie. 5960 Rich Orloff. Some days you get lucky. <laughs> that was my line, damn it. Would you like an after-dinner drink? Sure. <laughs> so, what's your pleasure? Sun-dried tomato juice or free-range wheatgrass juice? Oh, surprise me. My pleasure. The woman fixes them drinks, perhaps adding little cherry tomatoes to both. You know, I think the luckiest moment in my life was when we shopped together at that organic vegetarian health food store, and I realized we had compatible values. When we got into the conversation comparing rice bran and oat bran, I thought this is the man I can talk to. To leafy greens. To leafy greens. They well, click glasses and drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tried to. All right, it that doesn't work. work. When you told me you were such a radical vegetarian that you boycotted gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew I'd feel healthier when I chose to give up meat and junk food. But 
I never thought it'd lead to someone like you. Well, it I think to I like to think I'm part of a well-balanced diet. When I first gave up meat, I thought it'd be so difficult. And you didn't even do it gradually. No. I had to do it cold tofu. And you did. I used to put such junk in my body, but I'm clean now. My body is my temple. And I'm looking forward to mass. Let's go to the bedroom. Yes. Yeah. Now that we are here in the bedroom. <laughs> oh, it's still going. <laughs> now that we are here in the bedroom, and that's how the play I ends. have a documentary to show you. <laughs> and what is that documentary really about? Soup. Leafy greens? Cold tofu? Perhaps not eating gummy bears? No. It's, it's called Jiro Eating. There are two of you suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have brought in my sister. <laughs> oh. Twin, I hope. Yes. No. Oh. I have a, I have a terrible vocal disorder. We both smoke a lot. <laughs> only, um, Not only, only does your sister sound clothes. like Beavis, <laughs> she looks like him too. And I mean that as an absolute compliment. Oh, yes. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but anyway, the documentary we're going to watch, it's about Mac computers. <laughs> How they're made. She pops in the documentary. The documentary begins. The TV emanates. Just Fortunately, my relationship with Andrew hasn't been like that. Oh, well, I mean, uh, just hold on a second. It's got to fast forward. It's like a VCR. Yeah, it's just any moment now. There's this Disney ad in that I don't like. It's about the Disney World, you know, in California. I don't like that one. <laughs> what the fuck happened? What a twist. <laughs> and, what? and scene. What has happened to my life that I allowed that to exist? I don't know. I, I made... I just enabled that to be recorded for future generations. I'm still waiting for Vegetarians and Lust volumes 2 through 80. I think yeah. we need to write them. I, if they don't exist, we need to write them. Oh yeah, so to tell you how... It's right, kind of interesting that you said go to come. the bedroom because the, the way the script ends is uh, them shouting some vegetarian and non-vegetarian foods as they create orgasms. So... I, I didn't. Oh, want that's to really good. Stir fry broccoli. There, no, the best one was Lay's potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> I, that that sounds like one of those things that is way funnier in theory than it would be on paper. Yeah. Ah, uh, pickles. <laughs> there was a rye bread. <laughs> I think was on there. A what? Like pickled rye, rye bread? bread. Yeah, that's that was one of the words on there. Straight from Mr. Orson Welles himself. What was his name? Uh, Rich Orloff. Oh. Thank oh. You, Rich, for, <laughs> That's a completely different person. Thank you for invading our <laughs> imaginations with your tales. Yeah. Good job, Mr. Orloff. So do you think he, he was, was a vegetarian or was making fun of vegetarians? I think he was making fun of them. Probably right. he was making fun of them. He was actually, he was actually, well, I mean, he describes them as sort of like vegan almost. Yeah. Like, I don't think he knows I have what to vegetarians go back are. The, yeah, the difference. It he seems to make them rather, um, well, I'd be interested to know when that script was written. 
because it it does seem to make out the vegetarians to be quite uh overzealous right. about their restrictions yeah i think there are people who are like that everyone needs their labels i feel i think especially nowadays but uh yeah you know, some people like they like they're the way i eat that is my identity like the way i work out is my identity this is very true be be more interesting people do more things don't just <laughs> talk about what you eat unless you i mean you wouldn't it food. be don't talk about what you eat talk about what you kill yeah wouldn't it be nice if we could define ourselves by such simple things though I, I feel like that's going to be something that a lot of the people who come on this show, uh, who might, we might interview on this show, uh, go to lflpodcast.com for more information about that. That might be a problem that a lot of people who might come on this show might have, is struggling to define themselves. And it'd be yeah. so nice if we could just dedicate ourselves entirely to hobbies that uh, were just like, I don't know, like bodybuilding or... It, not to say there's anything wrong with with bodybuilding or anything wrong with defining yourself as like a vegetarian and like that's your single identity. I I just wish I could do that. It seems like it would be a lot simpler than being like, oh yeah, I'm a musician and I draw things and I have a podcast and I play D and D and yeah yeah do more things, people. Just in yeah. general, it's good for you. Do more things. <laughs> do hey, more be things. people. Yeah, be, be people. You. Yeah, be fully realized be people. people. It's uh, it's fun, I guess. Sometimes before yeah, sometimes. the existential dread sets in, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, with the existential dread, it keeps you on your toes. It's so much fun, just uh, just lying just awake crash. at night, wondering what it's gonna be like not existing. Yeah, that's a good time. Sorry if I just triggered anybody. Uh, no, we're good. We're good. <laughs> You can find show notes for this and future episodes, uh, like I mentioned earlier, at lflpodcast.com. That's LF at... Oh, God. That's what was that? L- <laughs> That's lflpodcast.com. Uh, thanks, Alex, for joining us. Hey, pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, totally. And uh, thank you, Jonathan, for um, for that wonderful little little play experience earlier in, in, in We Played Rhythm Now. It was good. Oh, no problem. Thank you, Rich Orla. Yeah, for, for writing that wonderful piece. Uh, and thank you, everyone, for listening to the first episode of Like for Like. Uh, we hope you'll join us for many more to come. How much are we shaving off this episode? <laughs> so much. It's basically it's going to end up being about five minutes long, but that's not because I'm going to that's not because I'm cutting a bunch of stuff out. I'm actually just going to play this back at like 10,000 speed.